Hey y'all, welcome to Shades of Brown, the podcast that discusses the ever-evolving and sometimes contradicting thoughts of a black millennial. I'm your host, Allie B, and I'm so excited that you're listening because I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. My special guest this week is Cameron Woods. He's the host of Empower Our podcast, where he interviews various women of color with hopes that men learn to be better allies through their powerful stories. He also works as counsel for the Global Labor and Employment Law Team at McDonald's Corporation, where he primarily manages employment litigation while providing advice and counsel on employment-related issues to the business. I truly believe that once you have listened to this episode, you will feel seen, heard, and valued. And that is so important to me. And I so appreciate Cameron and all that he's doing to uplift, support, encourage, and defend women of color, specifically black women. It's absolutely incredible. So hang tight. Let's get into the brown beat and then we'll get into this episode. So we have more election drama and not... The national government election drama, but religious denominational election drama. So (laughs) the religious organization that I was raised in, the grand old Church of God in Christ, this is the year, well, actually 2020 was the year for election, but actually, I don't even know. Long story short. It's election time and they got some election drama going on. So the presiding bishop has retired. And for whatever reason, I don't don't even know all that's going on. I just know it's a bunch of drama because I keep seeing these posts. And apparently the bishop put out a like put out a statement saying we're going to postpone the election because it's a lot going on. And I dare not relinquish my title to some foolishness. And I was like, oh, okay. well, Bishop told y'all and he put out he pulled out the Constitution, the article and everything. According to the Church of God in Christ Constitution article page, this paragraph, this we are postponing this election and the board of whoever all the protocol and who to call is behind me i'm like oh oh okay <laughs> it's crazy it's and i say this jokingly but for real like the church of god in christ has been under extreme scrutiny lately it's been a lot going on like from the beginning of the pandemic bishop after bishop after bishop pastor after pastor superintendent after superintendent have passed away and it's quite leery it's like what is really going on the way clearly the church of god in christ is experiencing transition and they are experiencing it in front of the whole world and it's so sad it's so crazy and i don't want to be like you know god is bringing judgment upon the church and whatever though though i do partly believe that i'm not here to say what is and what ain't it's just interesting and honestly my heart breaks for the church of god in christ because it ain't have to be this way you know what i'm saying and i do believe that first of all every single time i hear bishop ch mason's story i am brought to tears like that man i have so much honor and admiration and respect for like he was a general he was a pioneer and was truly a man of God and he built something amazing though I don't believe you know his ultimate purpose was to was for it to be what it is today he built something amazing like he built the largest African-American Pentecostal denomination in the world that is incredible Um, but what it is today just doesn't 100% reflect the initial vision, in my opinion. Like the majority of folks that I know that grew up Kojic are some type of traumatized. You know, we all got church trauma because of Kojic. 
and it's all right. We okay. We, we healing. <laughs> um, and, and though I have, you know, endless critiques for the church of God in Christ, I do want to see them thrive. You know, I really do want the church of God in Christ to, um, live on and to continue advancing the kingdom of God. But I also want this organization to stand up for what's right. And I do feel like there needs to be a national apology specifically to women and to the LGBTQ community. I believe that the damage that has been done to these particular marginalized groups is significant. And for the Church of God in Christ to be as large as it is and for it to be a black denomination, it the irony of this organization being oppressive, it, it blows my mind. You know, it blows my mind for for us to be black Americans yet susceptible to oppression within our own religious groups. It's crazy. And I do believe that just like I believe America owes black folks an apology on a national level, reparations and all, I believe the same for for the Church of God in Christ. You know, I believe it should come from the presiding bishops with all the whole board to support it. And I believe we should see some diversity, you know, let there be a female bishop, let there be some, you know, some some female board members, let there be, you know, <laughs> doggone it, let women get in the pulpit. Hello. Let them have a title beyond district missionary and evangelist. Every woman minister is not an evangelist or a missionary. Hello. Some of them are apostles. Some of them are prophets. Some of them are teachers. Like, it's a whole thing, y'all. If you were Kojic, you know. If you are not Kojic, just skip to the main interview. <laughs> um, But yeah, I do. I really do want to see the best for them. I, I really do. Local, district, state, national, international. I really do want to see that church thrive. But I believe that there needs to be some, some, some correction from the top down to start respecting humans for humans and to recognize and acknowledge the damage done to specifically to women who have not felt safe in the church, who have not felt heard in the church, who have had their um, harassment and abuse swept under the rug at the name of, you know, protecting men of power and men of influence and affluence um, who have used and abused black gay men for their gifts and talents, but have not loved and supported them and um, held their hand through trying seasons and discipled them, but have, you know, just taken from them, just take, 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 and take, but have not poured into, I think an apology is necessary. And I do think that among many other things, I don't know. I just think certain things need to happen in order for like God to be like, all right, like, it's just like, I just think that true repentance is needed. You know what I'm saying? Like God's favor is there. God's grace is there. All those, all those things. But I believe you got to get certain things right in the house before God can like, you know, open up the windows of heaven and shower down what he really wants to shower. True. The promises of God are yes and amen. But some of those promises have conditions. You know what I'm saying? One being obedience. And I think that when it comes to the, the national church, it's like something's got to be in order, fam, before God can really like, you know, like elevate certain things and whatever. Maybe I'm rambling, but I really do want the church of God in Christ to not always be you know, the, the talk of the town, not always, you know, be the latest gossip, not always be like, look at what they done did, you know, because let it be known, like your favorite gospel musicians, heck, your favorite R&B, your favorite, some of your favorite rappers, 
well, I, I don't know about rappers, but a lot of your favorite singers and artists and musicians come from the Grand Ole Church of God and Christ. You know what I'm saying? It has produced some incredible people, some incredible ministries, and a lot of other black denominations copy us. Oh, well, I'm saying us. I don't really claim Kojic, but a lot of other de denominations have used the Church of God in Christ as a blueprint. You know, it has... Um, so many incredible things about it. And I am a product of the Church of God in Christ. You know what I'm saying? And I I didn't always understand the beauty of that until I like left away from it. And I was like, man, folks do not know the word of God. So I appreciate, you know what I'm saying? Like a strong foundation, the word and like just my strong foundation, period. I do appreciate that. There are so many amazing things about the Church of God in Christ. And I just want, I just wanted to get back to like the beauty of it, you know? And get away from the misogyny, from the homophobia, from the sexism. It's disgusting. Let's do better. Church God in Christ. I'm rooting for you, Kojic. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be back, but I'm rooting for you. <laughs> all right, y'all. That's all I have to say about the Grand Old Church God in Christ. Hopefully, whoever is a new bishop will, you know, do amazing things. So, yeah. On with the episode. Let's unpack it. Welcome to Shades of Brown, Cam. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, one of my friends sent me um, an Instagram story. She was like, check this guy out. Look at his sweatshirt. And it, it was a sweat. I think he had a shirt or a sweatshirt that said something about protecting Black women or something. It was just something about Black women. And I was yeah, like, it's hey. a black women over everything is one of my favorite sweatshirts and uh, yes. shout out to my my best friend Ivan for <laughs> putting me out <laughs> on his his story for the world to see yes yes I was like oh let me uh, look him up and then I realized you had a podcast your mm -hmm. podcast is called Empower Hour and right. uh it's a space you've created to amplify the voices of women of color correct yeah it just it just kind of happened. Talk about it because I I just don't, I don't think we hear that kind of thing every day, you know, where a black man, not, you know, with a group of people, but like a black man himself is saying, you know what, I want to amplify the voices of women of color. So talk about how that came about. What led you to create a podcast for us? Yeah. Um, so it was really by random and happenstance. Um, but, you know, me being a believer is really God kind of ordered my steps to all of this happen and just... Uh, really connected me to to women who gave me the opportunity. So around this time last year, I was supposed to um, be on a panel for a women in law conference that was in Chicago, talking about the role of black males um, post Me Too error. But of course, through the pandemic, the uh, panel ended up getting postponed until September. But one of the organizers uh, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I have a podcast. I would love to have a male ally on that. Uh, her name is Susan Freeman. She uh, has her own kind of executive business uh, targeted towards DEI. She's a white woman out in San Francisco. And I said, sure, why not? I love to talk at this point. Um, and through our connection and just having, just building that uh, foundation, she was building an executive institute for inclusion that targets C-suite uh, professionals of kind of increasing DEI uh, strategies and methods. And she thought of this podcast and she was like, hey, at first, you know, do you want to co-host this podcast? And I was like, yeah, you know, I really want it to be towards women of color. I really just want to like, you know, get their voices out there. And she said, oh, well, you put it like this. Here you go. Here's your baby. Here's the podcast. Um, so as I was doing a lot of self-reflection and praying, you know, because I was initially nervous about that because, um, mm -hmm. 
as you said, no one was doing this as a, a black person, as a man interviewing primarily women, um, especially women of color. What does that look like? What does that sound like? Will anyone listen? Does anyone care? And in their reflection, I, I've always knew this, but it kind of came back to my focus of a lot of the people who have invested in me, who saw a lot of my initial worth when I couldn't see it, has been women. You know, I can trace all the way back to, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I have a, had a strong father figure. My dad was in my life, my older brother, uncles, but those women, those women were the one who poured into me mm-hmm. in a way to where I can literally look back and name women probably at each age or each transition in my life and knew that they were standing there. Yeah. Um, so it was just automatic for me to be like, absolutely, I want to talk to women. Absolutely, women voices should be heard. And like, man, we we always get the platform. We understand male privilege, even as a Black man, understanding my, my privilege as a Black man. Allow me to do this one thing to give back to the women who have done so much for me. Um, and my first episode was actually one of my mentors, uh, Michelle Bourne. She was my, I went to a residential high school, so she was my mom away from home. Uh, those two years and has really, again, one of those people that continually poured into me to this day. And just talking to her, being able to get out her nonprofit that she's been working on for 10 plus years that she started when I was in school, mm-hmm. uh, cause real is all about real images and promoting real representation of women across uh, different ethnicities and backgrounds. Um, and not just looking to social media, what the idea of women should look like, but talking about these real women that exist in the um, in the in the world and just being able to hear her speak and then pour back into her of saying, hey, you have a platform. Yeah. And I'm going to use my connections and my resources to amplify it. Even if you meet one new person, even if you have one new new customer, if you have one new panelist who are aware of you, uh, who's aware of what you're doing, I, I feel successful. And so I've been doing that about six episodes. I just put out an episode today interviewing one of my good friends from law school who co-founded a law firm last year with her partner. So it's just little things like that, that I'm really enjoying the process of talking to these amazing women and just having everyone just stop for a second and pay attention to what, what they're doing. I love that so much. So, 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 so much. It makes my heart happy to hear all of what you said, not just the creation of the podcast, but to hear what you're saying, to hear you be so aware um, of the impact that women, specifically Black women, have had on your life. Um, because what you're saying is common, you know, right. um, the, the aunties, the grandmas, the <laughs> godmothers, yes. the, women in our, the women in our churches, you know, these these people, our tribes, our community, they have such an impact. And like you said, yes, there are typically, um, there's typically a strong presence of men, even, even, if it, even if it isn't your biological father, there's typically mm-hmm. a strong presence of men, but the impact is different. So I appreciate you having that awareness and understanding their poor, understanding like who you are because of their poor. Absolutely. You mentioned about male privilege. So you're already getting into the good stuff. (laughs) You mentioned, um, you know, I think you said something like, you know, we all understand, we all understand our male privilege, but I don't know that all black men understand their male privilege. Uh, So I want, so I want us to talk about intersectionality just a bit. Absolutely. I came across this quote 
And I think this will help us uh, dive into this. The lady who wrote this, her name is, I think, Shadell Bromwell. I hope I'm not pronouncing that right. Um, she said, Black women are exposed to both racism and sexism and can often feel as if we are obligated to put sexism on the back burner in order to stand behind Black men who are also our oppressors. Mm-hmm. The demise of Black women doesn't seem to move Black men as much as if the roles were reversed. Black women are an afterthought. All in all, to further the Black community, sensitive conversations involving the mistreatment of women must be discussed. Men must acknowledge women's oppression, accept their contribution toward these issues, and change their actions to help protect Black women. Black lives can't matter until all Black lives matter. We hear this phrase often now, protect Black women, hashtag protect Black women, protect Black women. And I'm one of them saying it, okay? Right. (laughs) Let's be very clear. (laughs) Right, right. What, What do... What do you hear when you see that? And what do you feel in general is heard from a black man's perspective when they're, when they're reading that, when they're, when they're hearing these conversations, are, are you guys put off? Do, does your defenses come up? Is it understanding? Do, do you guys, do you really believe that black men understand that we are both woman and black, that there is, there are uh, two different systems we're fighting here at the same time? Right. Speak to that. Yeah. So I think, one, I, I won't even try to attempt to speak for all men because <laughs> I even struggle with this with my brothers. But I think we fall into three kind of categories. You mm-hmm. have, I, I like to say, like me, who we see and understand intersectionality of Black women. And, and of all women, but, you know, we're talking about Black women right now. Right, right. We understand that the battle that you have not only being Black, but but woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to add in other things to that, it's, a, it's, it's an extra layer of discrimination and oppression that we will not understand yeah like we just cannot understand biologically or by by choice uh, you know depending on um your your chosen gender Mm -hmm. and then you have i think those in the middle who understand that there's a different level of oppression but Mm -hmm. don't fully maybe understand the concept of intersectionality mm-hmm. or that they, they see it, but just don't have the, the verbiage and the terminology, haven't done the work to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think at the other end of the spectrum are, are brothers that they acknowledge that you're women, but mm-hmm. still blackness is first. Mm-hmm. So until we cure the, you know, what the disease of racism, mm-hmm. the, the oppression of being black or brown, everything else is second, woman yeah. is second. Queerness mm-hmm. is second. Disability is second until you go on down the line. Um, so I think you, because of those mindsets, because of those different groups, um, it's going to be hard to kind of mobilize and become a monolithic group of protecting Black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think you can fully protect Black women if you don't see their Blackness in their womanhood. Mm-hmm. If you don't see that um they, they are marching behind us and beside us and t- sometime in front of us, Hello. but also they're more vulnerable because yeah. they are women. Protecting Black women is not just a physical thing. It's not just, you know, pushing them aside and standing up for them, but it's, you know, bringing up their names in conversation um, to, to promote them. It yeah. is, you know, speaking words of encouragement and affirmations in them. It's, it's being there for them in a way because uh, because we can identify that whether that's you know the becoming a mother or you know mm-hmm. dealing with uh, various emotions that men we're just not naturally tapped into for you know societal methods but 
protecting the black woman, I think is really just seeing them holistically and asking, how can we show up? Which is one of the questions I asked on the podcast, like how can we be there for them? In, in, the, in the workplace, out of the workplace, professional life, romantic life, whatever, however you encounter a black woman. Yeah. How can I be there for you in a way that I'm protecting you from all the societal um, oppression that you're facing? I love that so much because I do think that when we say that protect black women, that the imagery that comes to our mind is physical, you know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. well, I can't protect the girl who, you know, got raped out in the alley or, or I can't right, right. gas station when someone kidnapped a girl, you know, or we talk about, you know, human trafficking or all these, you mm-hmm, know, big mm-hmm. things, right? right. Like, we're not asking black men to be superheroes. Now, <laughs> yeah. if you are out on the street and see something happen, then for sure, you know, up. but we're Right. Not, you know, we're not just talking about that, you know, um, we're not always asking you to physically put your life on the line. It is the, the simpler thing. So I love that you say, just ask the question that in itself says so much because it's, it's taking a moment to acknowledge mm-hmm. our humanity, to acknowledge mm-hmm. our womanhood, to acknowledge that we have an experience different than yours and saying, I don't fully understand. And I actually need your help, you know, putting yeah. the pride and ego aside and even, you know, putting... Uh, whatever uh, issues the black man is facing that is specific to him saying, you know what? I know I got my stuff going on. I know America hates me. I know the police are killing us. I know all this, but also how can I help you sis? Like, right. how can I be there for you? Yeah. Um, so I, I, Doing it takes nothing away from us. Yes. <laughs> we say, I think that's the biggest thing is that relinquishing of power. And I know, I know my brothers get upset about this, but that's when we get compared to white men a lot because how we treat black women sometimes is resembling of that kind of that power dynamic so is I think it's just reframing our mind and I mean that's just everyday life me asking how you are me acknowledging your problems um whether they're parallel to mine or just you know they're dissimilar takes nothing away from what I'm doing how I'm feeling yes oh my gosh this is so good because uh this is the thing what what happens is and and granted let me say a couple of disclaimers. We get it. This is these conversations are never had to uh, say who has it worst in America. To say who Absolutely. has it worst, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's be clear. Black folks yeah. period are on the bottom of the totem pole. Absolutely. <laughs> you know Absolutely. Let's, let's be very clear. Here. Let's be yeah. very clear. <laughs> like we all got it a little bit. Whatever. You know. Shouts out to you know what I'm saying Kamala Harris. You know the first mm-hmm. black VP. Whatever. But at the end of the day, we still are all together facing systemic oppression, you know, facing systemic racism. We're all affected by it in different ways. So let that be that. This this isn't a competition or like oppression Olympics. You know what I'm saying? I was just literally about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that term. This is not an oppression of lipids. And I mean, I don't, no one wants to play the game. No one yes. is volunteering their hand as tribute to being this. So, yes. which is why it just goes back into that. We can acknowledge that we have stuff going on right? and find ways to both of us to move forward. All Absolutely. Forward. Um, yeah. But what you mentioned about the, the white man dynamic is so true. Um, Nikki Giovanni was talking about in one of her um, most famous interviews with James Baldwin uh, was talking about how black women get the least of the black man because of the white man's mistreatment toward the black man. So it's like, we sometimes, it feels that we are being treated from black men the way white men treat black men, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like, since I don't have power over here, let me exert my power over you, you know? Since I don't have influence over here, you know, let me 
exert that over here with you. Um, since I'm, since I've been demeaned, let me return that to you um, as a black woman. And it's just like, this is not the case for all black men, clearly, you know, there's yeah. a whole podcast. <laughs> um, but it's like, but this is something that is, it's a thing, okay? And I, and, I, and I think even that, like, I think there's some power in just acknowledging, like, this is a thing um, that, b- that Black women are vulnerable and we don't always feel that Black men have our backs. So I love all that's what you're saying. And even like when you talk about showing up for us and, and encouraging us and pouring into us, I absolutely love the Black men in my life and my circle. And one example um, in the, and this is in regards to the workspace, there have been several times where, and I'm sure this is um, common. I'm sure this is a common experience. There have been several mm-hmm. times where, like, I'm like left off of important meetings, right? Where I need to be in the meeting. There's a program that's um, that's uh, popping off, that's kicking off. That we call like, you know, uh, program kickoff meetings or whatever. And mm-hmm. you need you need um, someone from each function to be a representative, right? So you need someone from finance, someone from contracts, someone from subcontracts, the yeah. program manager. Like we need all these different functions there to get all the details on what's about to pop off. And there have been several times where I've been left off of these meetings. So what happens is when it's time for, you know, my function to, to have mm-hmm. input, it's like, where where's Allison? Allison's MIA. Allison's not here. Allison's <laughs> right. late. Right. So, so without context, it just looks like I'm out of place. Right. Right. There have been multiple times where uh, my black coworker has like quickly text me or, or, or I am me like, where are you at? Like hop on this call right now. They're talking, you know, mm-hmm. like they're talking about you. Your name just came up. Where are you at? And it's like, he's like, I'm sending you to, I'm sending you to the, 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 the meeting notice right now, like hop on. Yeah. And just something so simple that that is showing up for for black women that is protecting mm-hmm. me he doesn't have to speak up in the meeting saying hey man like i'm sure she he, he has he doesn't have to say anything but just him saying hey yo like i don't know where you at but get on this call <laughs> right now right, just to be aware yeah right and then it's because what, what happens is i'm thinking before i came to this position you know when i was at a company with doing the same thing at a different company where it's all white people. How many times did this happen? I had no idea. How many times right. did this happen? And no one told me, and I'm just looking like the, the girl who just doesn't show up, you know, or the girl yeah. who isn't yeah. doing her job. Um, so I'm so thankful for men like that. My brothers like that, who, who look out, who just look out, you know, and this, it, it could be so simple. It could be so simple, but these things matter because it shows us that we're seen, that we're not in competition, mm-hmm. like that you got us and let it be known. Like, I don't want to get too much into gender stuff, but there is a level of protection we want to feel when we are near our brothers. That's just period point blank, you know? And a, and a lot of that is just knowing self and being mm-hmm. comfortable with self. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm speaking for, for men, just knowing self, being comfortable with self. Because again, a lot of that goes into kind of, is this person a competition? Um, mm-hmm. it, and am I in competition? Do I lose something by helping this person out? Mm-hmm. So the more confident you are in yourself, the more self-aware you are, uh, where you are, who you are, whose you are, <laughs> like yeah. all these different things of becoming uh, more acquainted with yourself. This is easier to help others knowing that you only... You will only you're going to get continued poured into the more you pour out. 
like you're not yeah. going to run empty like yeah. you're, you're especially if you're doing it for the right reasons yeah. you're not going to be empty no matter how you feel sometimes it's going to be draining pouring it to others but you're never your well will never run dry Absolutely. if you are continuing pouring in a way and you knowing that what you're pouring out is of good fruit <laughs> you know that you're yes. producing good fruit so you just continue to get in your harvest so i uh all in the biblical sense no, but yeah so i think it's though. just it's little things it's all about planting those seeds and I, if I want to look over my life, I will feel much better knowing I planted seeds and people that look like me who are going mm-hmm. through similar things and planted seeds knowing that, you know, I have, I have three nieces, I have goddaughters, um, I hope to be a father one day and I have all these things that are going on. And if I'm pouring into people who are going to look like my nieces and future children, then I'm good. So why, why am I holding on to any of this? I love the analogy about the seed because men and i'm talking biologically at this point yeah guys so just go with me men (laughs) men are carriers of seed right Mm -hmm. women are receivers of seed and we produce with that seed right and this happens in every regard you know Mm -hmm. there's this like poem or some blog whatever that says something like you know you give a woman a seed she gives you a baby you give a woman a house she gives you a home you give a woman food she gives you you give a woman groceries she gives you gives you a meal right so Mm -hmm. it's like we reproduce from what we're given and I think that if we understood that that's just like a law of nature that it would be so Mm -hmm. much easier for us to um, put our guards down and understand we're not in competition and that we're going to always reproduce from what we've been given, you know? Um, And because I I do believe that women are, you know, nurturers and we're going to nurture you when you got us, (laughs) you know (laughs) what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's just, it comes easy. I do though think that it's not just on black men to protect us though. I do think that black women also have an equal responsibility. I don't like that we shout, hashtag post protect black women but we don't do the same for ourselves you know I I think that we have to um be intentional about doing the same for each other because it's just not cool to put that pressure on a group of men when y'all sometimes maybe looking back like that's like but y'all fighting and bickering and (laughs) and these tv shows y'all are on this on national tv fighting and it's you know it's all this kind of craziness um, so I do think that we also have a role in being the best sisters towards each other. And so, and sometimes that looks, sometimes it's as simple as refusing to speak negatively about another sister around Absolutely. anybody else. Right. Or, yeah, or even yeah. with me and, you know, like I was talking to my cousin, it's just like, Hey, I, regardless of what critiques I have about black women, I refuse to speak negatively about them in the company of others. I'm like, you know mm-hmm. what? That's major. That's yeah. nature. Because yeah. of course yeah. we have critiques. We are in, we are a traumatized people and, and it comes mm-hmm. out in our behaviors. Mm-hmm. It comes out in our family dynamics. It comes out in our communication skills. It comes out in all kinds of ways. So of course we have critiques toward each other, but there has to be spaces conducive for those conversations. And it's not for everyone to be involved in, you know, like you ain't going to catch me talking about Absolutely. no black man yeah. around <laughs> somebody else. It's just not happening. <laughs> And it's it's an unlearning process of the the way of you know kind of re reframing our minds of how we are going to show up and protect each other, yes. um, and and so support each other and kind of reframing all those things that were ingrained in us, whether whether that's through white supremacy, whether that's through miseducation of Christian principles or godly principles, no matter what that is, it's just a it's an unlearning process that we all have to go to yes. um, and figure out what what works for us. So yeah, I 
absolutely. Um, you know, when we, I think I like that a lot. I try not to critique people. <laughs> I think I keep that to uh, as, as few people as possible. But um, yeah, I, it's just something I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, that same lady that I quoted earlier, uh, she said, um, we have to be responsible about how we, even in our attempt to have intellectual discourse, break each other down. And I think that's so important yeah. because these conversations have to happen in order for us to heal, Absolutely. In, in order for us to heal the black family. Because the thing about it is, as we are out here fighting for uh, equality and fighting for justice and fighting to tear down and crumble systems of oppression, what happens when we get, we get what we've been asking for. What happens when America says, okay, you know what? I'm sorry for the last 400 years. We make it mm-hmm. right. We give you our reparations. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we make everything right. What happens is you still have a broken family unit. You know what I'm saying? Right, you still right. have us traumatized from intergenerational trauma. You still have us behaving the same way. So it's like these conversations have to happen in order for us to move forward collectively. And speaking to your point earlier, when you were talking about, you know, the kind of three categories of men, We have to resolve that um, we must fight this simultaneously. We have to walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to fight. We're capable of doing it. (laughs) We are capable of doing two things at once. Yes. You know, Um, because both fights are are equally important. We can't wait until racism is over to Mm -hmm. then say, all right, Black women, we'll listen to y'all now. Yeah. We just can't do that. Um, We have to fight them together. And understand that if we fight them together, our fight for racism will be even more effective if, if the Black family unit is strong and strengthened. If, yeah. if Black men are protecting us and if we are covering, like, it, it's just going to work better for all of us if we understand that um, Black women must be uplifted. It, it just is what it is. As you say that, I was thinking, I was listening to um, the Carters earlier, um, you know, love happy and all of that, you know, no one wins when the family feuds and talking about that, that family, that family system. Um, and yeah, we, we absolutely have to, as we are, we have to heal as we're fighting. So mm-hmm. I, as you are saying this, I think it was just like a, a road towards healing. We have to heal. I can't tell you how many times where I've seen people and heard people feel isolated from the fight of you know justice mm-hmm. because someone in a family the collective black you know black I say black American family the mm-hmm. collective black American family has made them feel other and I'm thinking very specifically of black queer man men um black queer women black trans people who have been told to sit down and be quiet or choose you this day which side you go be on because you yeah. can't be both. And it's kind of like, how do you tell someone who presents in this way, who has always been this person and who otherwise you take away um, their, their speak, their, their appearance, anything else, you see black, they yes. know black yes. and you're telling them that you can only be this. And if you are only this, you have to behave that way. That's, that's oppression. Yes, yes, that's, yes. That's the, you know, the pedagogy of the oppressed by Pablo Freire. You know, the, the oppressed becomes the oppressor. Yes. We can't be oppressing our people over here if we're trying to tell them to keep their, their foot off our necks. Absolutely. We see it. We see it when it comes to, you know, it's in the height in 2020 at the height of the, the, the race wars and stuff. Mm-hmm. We were seeing how. In one hand, the news is is saying another name, you know, another black unarmed black man or unarmed black woman has been shot and killed. And at the same time, we're seeing during protests where a black woman is being uh, kidnapped or or murdered or a trans woman, a trans black Mm -hmm. woman is being beat up on the street and by black men. Right. Right. 
So it's right. like, come on, fam. Or, or, you know, in churches where, where you, you have, you know, preachers and pastors preaching racial justice, but want to mm-hmm. allow their women to express themselves fully in the church. Come on. You know, come it's on. like, all, we can't, we, we, we got to choose. Like you said, choose you to say, we got to, we got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. What, what are we fighting for? If we're going to fight against oppression, we got to fight against all forms of it. Come if on. We're, if we're going to say black lives matter, we got to say that all black lives, all black lives. That's exactly it. We black and we all we got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's the others, the majority have these, you know, this diaspora of, you know, different backgrounds, different ways of living their lives and st- are still holding power. Yes. We can do that as well. But they have taught us to f- have this fight within the family, to mm-hmm. show up at the family reunion and kick everybody out while they they coming in and stealing the food and learning the dances and going back into their homes. So we have to, as you as going back to your point, they're walking and chewing gum. Like these, these pillars of oppression can all fall at once at once they do not have to fall in some yes. orderly fashion they can all crumble if we chip at each pillar mm-hmm. they're going to fall down so if we yeah. if we're standing up for the those who are disabled or who have a disability that oppression can be kicked down if we're standing up for those who um who are trans we're standing up for those who are queer we're standing up for women all of these things are then going to tumble down And I don't, I think thinking of the visual, as you're saying, I don't want it to be in a place when these things are down and we're looking at each other like, okay, okay, now what? Yes. Or we're trying to rebuild them now that we have some majority. Like we're, that's not the point here. We're not trying to become white people. We are trying to live in an equitable and just society. And we, who experience the most trauma, unfortunately have to do the most work to get there. But it's rewarding when we get there because we can look around and see our brothers and sisters happy and fulfilled in a way that generations before have not been able to get there. That's a word. That's a word. <laughs> it is rewarding work, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and as a black woman, I do my best to create safe spaces for black men, for y'all to just be, you know, yeah, and to build you up so that you then can understand that you don't got to be threatened by me or, you know, threatened yeah. by my sister. So that when, like you said, when all this stuff comes down, you understand that you are still powerful because you are you. Not because these systems have illegally given it to you, not because of my oppression, you're powerful, you're powerful because you are you, you're powerful because you're a black man, you're powerful because you were made in the image of God, you're powerful, period. Come on, come on, I I feel fulfilled, (laughs) that that lifted me up. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, um, I... I, I look forward to getting to a space and, and we're getting there. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, there's, there's progress being made. You know, when you see people like, I'm not sure if you follow, I'm sure you do. Kevin, do you follow Kevin on stage? Uh, yes. I follow yeah. Kevin on stage. Hilarious um, guy, but yeah. also very forthcoming. Like we need a, a voice like his. Yes. Yes. Where, you know, he is clearly trailblazing out here in these streets and it's very vocal about um, his intentionality behind creating jobs, not just for black people, but specifically for, for black women. He mm-hmm. has done so much to, he's, he's gone so far to go to, I'm not sure what position it was, but there was someone behind the scenes like, Hey, you know what? I know I gave this project to you, but how about I give you something else and make this one for her? Like, yeah. you know, like to the point where I'm taking this from you to make, to make room, to make mm-hmm. space for black women. And of course, yeah. you know, he'll, he's very vocal about, he don't get it all right. But, but that's the thing too we're not asking black men to have it all right 
We're not asking black men to understand intersectionality back and forth. We're not asking for that. What we're really asking for is acknowledgement and and listening here. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like you say, it's like, how can I help you? Because, you know, ego just wants to protect, right? right? Ego pops up like, Mm -hmm. what you mean? And wants to get on defensive. It's like, no, just Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just listen. Just take a breath. (laughs) Yep. And this this is the recurring thing I've heard. Uh, as I interview women and ask them the question, what can men do? The number one thing that they say is, listen, mm-hmm. listen when we're speaking, mm-hmm. um, you know, on top of advocating, but just when we are talking about our thoughts, uh, whether that's in a professional setting or in a personal setting, just listen. Yeah. And, you know, you can learn a lot from listening. So, you know, if we can listen to, you know, some of the great men, our, our idols, our heroes, you know, the, the people that we listen to, the podcast that we listen to, we can take a few minutes and listen to Black women and listen really intently to what they are, what they are saying. Yes, I have been pretty vocal about this, you know, about this conversation. And when I get feedback from Black men, a lot of times they go into fix-it mode. And I understand Mm -hmm. that. I think it's a part of your nature to be a fixer. I understand it. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe it's just societal conditioning that has you that way. I don't know if it's biological or societal. I don't know. But I do recognize that that's just a part of men is to want to fix things. And it's like, okay, I'm not asking you to fix it. Right. I just want you to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So so I say that because I understand that sometimes sometimes may come off as just like I'm you just listening to complaining or listening to problems, what's the solution? Mm-hmm. And I understand that you want to be solution focused. Solution you want to, you know, mm-hmm. you want to um, get to how we can resolve. I understand that, but there has to be several layers before we get there because we have these conversations. And, and then, and just some months back, Meg the Stallion was shot, and people legit have a hard time believing her. You know, yeah. she was shot by a black man and people legit was like, that ain't happened, you know, mm-hmm. or, it's mm-hmm. not a big deal, or whatever, or literally start blaming her victim blaming yeah. and these kind of things. And it's just like no one's stopping to say this lady was shot by a black man who was supposedly her friend or whoever he was. Right. Yeah. But this is like, this is typical. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. This is what we're talking about when we say, hey, y'all aren't listening to us and we aren't making this up, you know, like this is actually a real thing. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think it goes back to that, <laughs> the ego thing, uh, whether it's our ego or the protection of another man's ego mm-hmm. that just makes us go into that defense mode yeah. and just cancels out some, the ability to listen or the ability to rationally think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like victim blaming. I can also acknowledge that there are times when women in general, and I, I don't think it's happened as much with Black women, have put Black men in compromising positions. Mm-hmm. It's to no fault of their own. It happens. I think it happens all across different colors and backgrounds. Yeah. So I don't want to make this specific to Black women. But when I think of the Med to Stallion and Tory Lane situation, I think that's just become so automatic for Black black men or mm-hmm. in men in general to question the source. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because Meg is not respectable enough, I think a lot of that is rooted in respectability politics, mm-hmm. which, which men get to choose which women they want to listen to and which mm-hmm. women are, are credible because mm-hmm. of how they present themselves, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, 
Megan the Stallion is not Megan Good. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Megan the Stallion is not the pastor's wife. Megan the Stallion is not my little sister, uh, my little cousin who I know wouldn't put herself yeah. in that type of situation. Yeah. And it's, so that's even in even in that language, there's victim blaming putting oneself yeah. in that situation. Yeah. So I think again, it's a it's a matter of checking ourselves and figuring out, okay, why was I so quick to believe? Megan about or quit to this you know to discredit her in mm-hmm. this way and you can still say you know I'm, I'm an attorney so I have to think about both sides and in course of defending <laughs> yeah. you can still say okay what is Tori's story yeah. Uh, yeah or you can also be neutral and say we have a court of law we mm-hmm. have attorneys who primary job is to get the facts out there and I can wait until the facts are out there to make that decision so I think all of that even with you know listening to the black women and it's as you said it's I think it's both societal and I think it is behavioral and I think it's just the makeup of a man Mm -hmm. we're so solution-based we're so we have to have the answer immediately we have to fix it so we have to make up in our our mind immediately yeah belief or disbelief yeah going forward or going backwards since you brought it up, let's get into a little bit about respectability politics, because that's another thing. It's like, well, we'll believe this group of women, but not y'all. You know, we'll believe yeah. we'll believe the women that present themselves as more feminine, but we won't mm-hmm. believe the ones that are more, more masculine. Yep. We'll believe the sassy ones, not the aggressive ones, right? Because yep. all these things are code words, right? It's like some some black women are sassy, other black women um, have an attitude. Yeah, some yep. black women are feminine and soft. Some are masculine, right? So it's like, okay. All right, you know, even it, you can put it down to looks, right? The mm-hmm. um, um, the dark skin ones, we ain't trying to hear y'all, but the light skin ones, sure. The yeah. thin ones will listen to y'all, but the fat ones, no. Nah. You know, yep. the yep. the loud ones, no, nah, but the soft-spoken ones, sure. I I can't speak for the conversations that y'all have, right? Yeah. I would just hope that that kind of stuff will be checked on the spot. Because it's microaggressive, you can't say, okay, you're, you know, you are disrespecting Black women in general. Mm-hmm. But it's like, this kind of stuff is problematic. And it's these small seeds where it's like, because Meg the Stallion, because w- one of the things was, you know, she's like twice as big as Tory Lanez, right? Yeah. So because of her size, somehow she is the aggressor, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and was deserving of a bullet. <laughs> right right yeah you know what i'm yeah. saying because he had to defend himself because he had to defend larger, himself right not the typical woman and right. yeah, all this coded language to it's to victim blame yeah yes yeah so i i guess i'm trying to say like do you feel that it's a reasonable request of black women to ask y'all to check that kind of stuff and nip it in the bud when those kind of conversations come up because i feel like it's the the locker room talk for for the lack of a better phrase yeah. is where a lot of these things come up. And if one black man stands up to say, Hey, yo fam, we're not doing it today. We're not having that. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. that it would give permission for other black men to kind of question like, Hmm, why, why did I, why did I believe her, but not her? Or why did I kind of just question? Cause, cause I'm, cause I, I'm not even saying that it's intentional. I'm not blaming mm-hmm. The, the thought pattern is going to get to yeah yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's not even intentional it's just the programming conditioning and like this is how this stuff works this is how oppressive systems work it's so deeply ingrained you feel what i'm saying just just speak to that yeah, no fix, fix <laughs> no, up what no, i'm saying as, <laughs> no as as you were saying it i was like yeah you know i think a, a lot of times that that talk is so inherent it's so easy that it really in the minds of many men and sometimes you know women who also are saying these things 
it's it's jokes you know it's jokes and I think we haven't learned collectively I think we're learning but there's still lessons to learn um kind of de-escalation of these type of things and it when it's not a direct call out or sometimes because you know you don't want to start a whole argument of like hey fam we're not doing that but of just saying you know well, I think AFAM is kind of like the polite way of saying, or saying like, hey, you know, you got something against dark-skinned women, or, you know, you yeah. got something against taller women, like, what's going on? And where this person feels attacked, they're defensive, and then they're they're locked down from learning that lesson. Mm-hmm. But I do think of sometimes challenging them in a pushy way of, like, would you say this about this other person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you, you know, would you say this about a man? Mm-hmm. Uh, would you, um, you know, why do, pushing back, like, why do you think that? Like, who, yeah. who said that? Yeah. yeah. And just saying, like, you know, you, it, it just kind of opens that conversation of saying, hey, let's just be, we can, we, we can make jokes about a, a situation. Yeah. We yeah. can find alternative ways to be funny That's without what we do. playing I mean, into we, a stereotype. We yeah. jokey joke about everything like last week was lit (laughs) about the inauguration (laughs) getting jokes off about bernie and the obamas and everyone else like we we are resourceful comedic group of people and we can find ways to still have that camaraderie still have that talk still get these jokes off (laughs) that doesn't degrade our people who who are us our our family yes so i think we i think it's just really finding those strategies and those tactics to again de-escalate and Mm -hmm. reframe what we're trying to say that's not rooted because you know think of um i'm I'm thinking of like kevin hart a few few years ago and saying the Mm -hmm. you know that happened the oscar's going away because he was talking about gay people and people trying to lovingly correct him of saying hey yo you think those are just jokes but their rhetoric is dangerous to queer people, to yes. to gay men of color. It's, it's yes. very dangerous just you getting these jokes off because some people take it as gospel. Are they? It's ingrained in their back of the minds and they present it in a way that's harmful mm-hmm. um, to others. So we have to, our, our, our words have power. Our, there's yes. power in the tone. We know these things, we recite these things and we can find alternative ways to still have the same conversation that is not based upon how someone presents yeah. how someone acts um, and how we feel someone should be um, because we would be upset if we knew the white people were having the same conversation which we know they have yeah. but we would be upset yeah. if you know they had the audacity to you know c- compare us or tell us how to do anything else absolutely I love that I love that you said um on your podcast you asked the question you know how can we uh, better support you that kind of thing and mm-hmm. and that one of the recurring answers is, you know, just listening. I think another one too is giving us the space to just be, you know, guards down to be. I do acknowledge, and this is though it's a stereotype, but I do acknowledge that in a lot of ways it can be true that we can come off hard, harder sometimes. Um, and I think that's because we are conditioned to protect ourselves because no one has had our back. Um, yeah culturally right I'm not speaking specifics or isolated but I'm Mm -hmm. talking like just in general I would love to just have more spaces where our brothers just let us be let us be vulnerable and let us be soft right right? because I think we try to make put that wall down you know but it goes right back up when we're shown that (laughs) you know it's not safe here so creating the safety for us is very 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 important we can just be unguarded you know like there's something so beautiful about seeing a bunch of black people guards down. Like I, this is related, but kind of unrelated. I was um, 
at a local um, speakeasy, a Black-owned speakeasy in Nashville. And uh, I'm just, you know, taking it with my friend. And I noticed a group of Black men, they are, they're, they're having the LeBron versus Kobe conversation. And it, it actually is the University of Kobe's uh, passing, rest yeah, in peace, Kobe. But this, this was prior to that. So they're having the, you know, the classic argument debate and they are yelling and laughing and just, they're not thinking about anything except for this conversation. And I was just thinking like, man, how beautiful is it when we are in spaces where we can just be, we don't have no cares in the world, you know, they are just themselves and they ain't thinking about nothing. And I'm like, I just want that for all of us, at least, at least with each other. Right. Like, cause we can't, Mm -hmm. we can't control the racism stuff. We can't control these external things, but within the black family unit, we can, we can work on that. You know, I shouldn't have to be, I shouldn't have to worry if I'm in danger, if I turn down a man, you know, if if he asks for my number and I say, no, I shouldn't have to worry if he's going to follow me in the alley and kill me, which literally Mm. just happened last week. Like I shouldn't to, to some woman, I don't know her name. I'm sorry, but that literally just happened. That's a real story. I I shouldn't have to. Unfortunately, so many women names that we probably don't know. Seriously, seriously. I shouldn't have to worry if it's at nighttime, I'm in a garage and there's a black man there. I shouldn't have to be uneasy. You know, and I'm yeah. not saying that I am, I, if, if I'm being quite honest and I'm being quite honest with me personally, I feel mm-hmm. most comfortable when I'm around black men. Like I, I, I'm like, you know what, right. I'm good. My brother's here. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> but every woman doesn't feel like that. And I, and I recognize right. that because truth be known, when it comes it. to black women and what we face, a lot of times our murders, our deaths a lot of times they're related to like domestic violence or, or enough, mm-hmm. or it's been at the hands of a black man. Right. So I'm just saying we can control our family unit, right. The black family. unit. Right. I right. just want to see where we can just be unguarded and, and just let, let us just be when we're in your presence where we can be goofy and be vulnerable and be unguarded and be soft or yeah. whatever it is, be weird and be quirky, whatever mm-hmm. it is, let us just be. I think it, People have to is and, and people both black men and women and black folks in general. We come with so much baggage. Mm-hmm. We come with so much trauma, um, and that's you know when we step outside the door. But there's also family dynamics and family, as you as you said, there, there's these generational curses. Excuse me, that follow us, mm-hmm. and we have not addressed them before. Yeah. And it presents in negative ways, such as entitlement. Like mm-hmm. I'm entitled to have access to you. That when I ask for your number, you are required to give to me. I am entitled to follow you because you had the nerve to turn me down. Um, so I think all things go back to trauma and healing. Yes. That we have to work through, which when you, I think that is what makes joy, especially Black joy, so much more beautiful. Ah, oh, so special. Is that in this space outside of these walls we don't we don't have to be a black man you know yeah. or a black woman you know in this space you're allison yeah. i'm cameron yeah. and we're having a good time and we're laughing and yeah. we're discussing and we're we're getting drinks and we're just you know just remembering these nights and feeling this feeling and i think with people um, my hope is that when people feel that joy feel that safety feel that connection is is when they'll say, I do not want to go back to how I was feeling before. I yeah. do not want that trauma. I want anyone who enters my space 
to feel safe and to yeah. where we have joy. And I want to be in spaces to where I feel safe yeah. and I have joy. And it's okay to say that. Like, it's okay mm-hmm. to say that. I think even in a workplace, we're, uh, we're waking up. Uh, my friend Lisa and I had this conversation on the podcast of bringing your full self to work. If we're if we're able to now have these conversations of showing up in places of our workplaces, being our full self so we can feel a sense of belonging and a sense of growth and development, we can absolutely demand (laughs) that our personal lives resemble that. Yes. And that will that will be due to uh, some of that is losing people we love, stop hanging out with people that we've we've grown up with and everything else. But if we want to get to this sense of serenity and joy within our own spaces, we have to do work and start projecting what we want. We have to manifest that joy that we're trying to get to. Um, and that starts with making that connection, whether it's the same mm-hmm. sex, opposite set, same gender, opposite gender, however we want to classify it. I want to create a space where you feel safe, where you don't want anything other than me to feel safe. And I want nothing other than you, but to feel safe. And that's okay that we don't want anything from each other because again, everything else will be entitlement and we have to figure out where that comes from. Yeah. I think that's a long way to answer your question. I don't know if that was, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if they helped at all. That is a mighty word on today, Minister Cameron. <laughs> I appreciate that. Don't give me hype. <laughs> <laughs> um, my final question to you is just to mm-hmm. ask you to give encouragement to Black men who are listening. What would you say to, to other brothers um, in regards to uplifting and empowering Black women? Yeah. Uh, brothers, I say first that I love you. Um, we don't say it to each other um, enough but I, I love you. I love what you're doing. I love um, how resilient you are. I love how you continue to take care of family and self, even when the world tells us to do neither. Um, I, I love that um, we are strong and mighty and we show up for ourselves and for each other um, and in the world in ways that continually, continually leaves the majority baffled at how we just refuse to bow down. Um, and because of that, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to ourselves and we have a responsibility to others in our community, especially who have other oppressions that we may not even uh, understand or go through. We, if we mean that, if we truly say and mean protecting black women, we need to see black women. We need to see black women holistically. And we need to listen to Black women. And by doing this, um, I guarantee you, they will listen to you. I guarantee you, you will be poured into. I guarantee you, you will be affirmed. We do not lose anything by showing up for Black women. If anything, we will stand taller. Uh, we will be a little stronger and we'll be a little wiser because we have those connections. So if you haven't already, um, text a Black woman, call a Black woman, cash up a Black woman, and let her know that you care, that you're there for her, that you support her. Um, And then let's check each other lovingly. Let's not be defensive. Let's let the the walls down. Let's let the egos go. Because we have things we need to accomplish. We have places we need to go. uh, And we don't need the family feuding up on the way. So from one Black man to another, let's, let's get to work and let's keep up the good work. Amen. 
<laughs> nothing left to be said. So let's get into brownie points. This is the segment yes. where I want you to think of something you have done recently, something you're proud of. It could be big or small. I just want mm. you to uh, love on yourself a little bit. We so often think about the things we did not accomplish. I currently have multiple things on my to-do list that I have not checked off yet, you know, but I'm going to focus <laughs> on the things that I have done right, you know? Yes. So yes. Uh, big or small, think on that listeners, meditate on it, write a note somewhere. I don't know, but Cameron, what are you giving yourself brownie points for today? Um, I am giving myself brownie points for my two jobs that I recently got, uh, that I started last month, um, that I am in constant of where God has taken me from a small country town in Arkansas of like 500 people, um, to working in Chicago. Um, I work for, McDonald's Corporation as an attorney, uh, and I'm an adjunct professor for a law school in D.C. working remotely. And just having the opportunity to do this work at 28, um, to be in this space, to live in the third largest city in the world. Um, And I'm doing all of this as I have a very solid group of friends and family. Um, I've done this while grieving the loss of my father, uh, but at the same time, feeling more connected to him, even in his passing. Um, And still, you know, I, last year, I went home to Arkansas for the pandemic, and I had months of spending time with my nieces and nephews that I otherwise wouldn't have. And then, you know, at the end of the year, just getting these two jobs. So I, as much as I want to brag upon myself, I think I'm, I'm bragging about how good God has been. Uh, within the past year and how just blessed um, I've been and just how how good his grace and favor is um, and why it just encourages me to continue to give out to others because I want everyone to feel like this. I want everyone to feel this love and and this favor and this joy that I've been able to get in my life. So um, yeah, I'm just incredibly in in a very grateful space in my life. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. You better flex, man. <laughs> <laughs> Grateful. All God. Trust me. All God. <laughs> that Still is not know to this day, but this, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunities. That is incredible. I am giving myself brownie points today for, um, for my fight. I'm giving myself brownie points for my fight. Mm. Uh, it's been, it's been rough lately in the sense of just transition. Like things are really good. But um, sudden change can be traumatic. Um, so I've been I've been fighting through discouragement, and I'm like, I'm here, fam. I'm here. I'm showing yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're showing up. That's it. Hey, that's that's half the battle is just yeah. showing up. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm killing it. I am. I love I am. it. Because had this been a different season, I would be depressed right now. So yeah. <laughs> well, thank God. God is good. <laughs> but God. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for having this conversation. Please share with us your social media, where we can find you, your podcast, all the things, whatever you're working on, please share it. Yeah. So you can find me on my Instagram, c.wcdotw underscore. 
Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Cameron Woods, Facebook as well, Cameron Woods. The Empower Hour podcast is available on Anchor FM. Uh, it's called the Empower Hour podcast. Um, Apple is playing with me and won't um, preview, like won't okay my uh, podcast. We're coming soon to a platform. Um, but yeah, I would love if any women are listening, would love to interview you and learn from you. Um, I'm always trying to learn. Um, I do an episode a month. Um, and I just want to thank Allison for reaching out on on instagram thank you to a friend who connected us um because this has been a a great conversation one i don't get to have often um but i'm i'm very grateful to have met you and be a part of the, uh, your beautiful podcast thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you yes this was an incredible conversation all right y'all go follow him go listen to the podcast and share the podcast all the things and when somebody is like mm, black men ain't ish be like oh well there's cameron woods he has a whole <laughs> podcast uh amplifying our voices encouraging <laughs> trying 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 <laughs> all right y'all well black folks remember this you are enough your creation is so divine and i love me some you so until the next episode be healthy be whole be beautiful.